All right, good morning, good morning, River City, good morning. If you want to start to make your way towards your seats, we'll get started for church. So today is Creative Sunday, which is one of our favorite Sundays here, and um, which means the psalm will be a picture, and it'll be a way for you to meditate and interact with it in a different way. And you'll see some images throughout our service, but really the posture that we want you to hold today is just being open to how God wants to move. Maybe today in worship there's a line that'll stick out to you. Maybe there's a sense of a person that you want to talk to or something just out of your norm. And so this morning we really want you to press into how God moves and how he moves creatively and how he may want to connect with you today that's different than how you have before. And so today as we read our psalm, I want you just to close your eyes, take a deep breath, Get outside of the idea of this are just words. Think of it as a prayer or as a praise. And so it says, look, Yahweh now reigns as king. And he has covered himself in majesty and strength, wearing them as his splendor garments. And regal power surrounds him as he sits securely on his throne. He is in charge of it all, the entire world, and he knows what he's doing. Lord, you have reigned as king from the very beginning of time, and eternity is your home. Chaos once challenged you, and the raging waves lifted themselves over and over, high above the ocean's depth, letting out a mighty roar. Yet at the sound of your voice, they were stilled by your might. What a majestic king and full of power. Nothing could ever change your royal decree, and they will last forever. And holiness is the beauty that fills your house. You are the one who abides forevermore. Father God, there is a line in this text that says, chaos once challenged you. And this morning, for some of us, that feels very true, that chaos is all around us. We see the brokenness of the world. We see more problems than solutions sometimes. And it feels heavy. God, we just thank you that you are a God that the ocean bows down to. That you are a God that everything has to submit to your authority and your reign. And so, God, we just give you our chaos and our challenges. We give you our burdens and our cares. Knowing that you are a God that can still all of it inside of us. And God, for some of us this morning, we are full of so much joy, and we have seen your goodness and your faithfulness, and today feels like a celebration. God, we thank you that you are a God of good endings, and that holiness and beauty and splendor are a part of your kingdom. God, be with us this morning as we posture our heart towards worship. Silence the distractions. Be the clearest thing for us today. We love you. We worship you. And in your holy son's name we pray. Amen.
as Mariah mentioned this morning, it's Creative Sunday. And so during Prayers of the People, there will be images that you can look at. Um, and the formatting of Prayers of the People will be a little bit different. So I just encourage you guys to posture your hearts to be in a posture of intercession and use the images if that is something that draws you into prayer and intercession for the other. We welcome you to do that. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your presence within and through us and all that lives. Thank you for teaching us how to pray. Reveal to us who you are. May your kingdom come. It is easy to see so many places that need the inbreaking of the kingdom, where separation is the story instead of interconnection and interdependence. We pray for migrants from the Middle East, Africa, and Asia on the Belarus border as they try to get into Poland and the European Union and have become trapped between Belarusian soldiers encouraging to enter Poland and Polish soldiers pushing them back. May they feel the warmth of you on the freezing nights and your comforts within their despair and longing for a place to call home again. We pray for the ceasing of violence in prisons in Ecuador, where 68 inmates died this weekend during a gun battle between rival gangs. We pray for peace. We pray for those that mourn. We pray for wisdom for those trying to change the system on earth as it is in heaven. Each in our own places are feeling the ways our planet is waving its red flag. We pray for those affected by a deadly storm in Canada, severing transportation systems. We pray for the clear air and change in practices as schools have been shut down and work is limited in India due to toxic air pollution. Give us today our daily bread. We pray for the people of Afghanistan where 14 million face daily hunger. We pray for those in need of the daily bread of health. As another COVID-19 wave sweeps across Germany, the Netherlands, Austria, and Russia. Keep us in the flow of forgiveness with you and others. Forgive us for the ways we are each complicit in living into the sin of separation instead of trust and love of the constant pulse of interconnection. Do not lead us in temptation. May the leaders of the United States and China Realize that the time for old paradigms of conflict need to be abandoned for imaginative cooperation in the challenges that the human race is facing on earth. Free us from the evil one. We pray for open hands to release for all the ways that we grasp and cling in fear and greed that hurt the least of these on earth, others, and ourselves. We give thanks for Myanmar's release of the American journalist, and we pray with hope of transformation and a constricted government. You are God. You are ablaze with glory and beauty. We give thanks for all the ways, all the places and ways we see your beauty living through us and rippling forth. We give thanks for the churches in Honduras who lead community programs for youth to show them a life outside of gangs and violence. For these and many, many moment by moment acts of goodness, generosity, and love, not seen on news pages, but that knit us together in you. May it be so. Amen. Today is going to be a little different. Um, We just got back, our staff just got back from our staff retreat, and so we went for two days this week to Blue Ridge, and we 
had a time of prayer together and then spent a good amount of time looking into kind of what we've already been doing at River City and what God is leading us into. And so many of you were interceding for us either because I asked on the prayer wall or because I specifically asked for you to pray for a specific staff. So I just want to say staff and myself want to say thank you for that. It means a lot. We felt that we were being prayed for while there. Um, I think we felt a sense of unity and connection that was maybe a little more than usual. We had a lot of laughs together. We watched Elf. Shannon had never seen Elf before in her life. So, exactly. So talk to her about it. And then we, what else did we do? We prayed. We sought the Lord. We fasted. We ran fast. We, we didn't fast. We're going to fast at some point. Y'all are all going to fast with us. And then we spent the last day strategic planning, and we looked at the vision of the church and felt like God was really speaking into what's already there while kind of bringing some clarity. So over the next couple months, you're going to hear about that. We changed the name to River World Church. <laughs> We're going global. Feels like a thing. River, River Universe Church. No? Okay. I digress. So thank you for praying for us. It meant a lot. Um, Next week, we're going to move into Advent, and if you've been a part of River City, you already know it's a huge deal. So now I'm just going to give you some heads up. When you walk in next week, you'll walk in, it will feel a little different. There will be a resource table out front, which will have some resources like family devotionals, picture books. The one we always do as a family is 30 days, is it Ann Voskamp? We're not family, we're, kind of, we're a spiritual family, but my family, the one behind you, we do Ann Voskamp and we love it. There'll be opportunities for you if you'd like to take one of the devotionals, She Reads Truth, He Reads Truth, and get a collection of your friends. In a non-group season, we very much still think that we should be in community. So it's not a let's break from humanity as much as now get creative with how to be with people. And so as you come in, you'll experience that, and you'll come in here, and it'll be a little different. There'll be themes each week built around Advent because we feel like it's a really important season to reorient our hearts to Jesus. And it gives us a little bit different of an in route than just the kind of normal American Christmas story, okay, or even a consumeristic Christmas story. It gives a little bit more umph and a little bit more groundwork for our families to step into. And so I've loved that, and that's coming. But this is our last week on POTS. So you've already heard our staff for the last six weeks preaching about POTS. It's really difficult for me to preach about POTS. I'll just be honest with you. And the reason why is because we're not telling you what we've learned. We're inviting you into a process of things we believe God is calling our body to intercede for. And so it's a little odd and clunky, and that's okay. That's what pots are. They're an opportunity to begin to pray together. And so today you're going to hear from each of our staff, except for the ones that you're not going to hear from. <laughs> Christina was surprised with an anniversary trip this weekend by James, who normally would be sitting right there, so we miss you both, but have fun. And... And some of the other ones are going to get up and share about theirs. And at the end of that, we're going to give you guys the opportunity with some very specific guidelines to share how you might have already seen or been stirred by one of the pots. Okay, does that make sense? All right, so I'm going to move forward. So I'm going to read you a couple passages of Scripture, one from a prophet, one from a gospel, and one from the final book in the Bible. So if you'll pull up these passages for me, Bill, starting with Isaiah 56, 7. This is from the prophet. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in the house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples, right? You can move on to the next one from the gospel. This is from Matthew. 
Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple, and he overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. We like to focus on the part there where he flips over tables, and we typically attach that to whatever thing we think is most important about calling somebody out. This is about a house of prayer. This is about the kind of body he wants us to build out. We want to be that at River City for sure. I would love it if we were a deeply formed in prayer kind of community that had faith when we prayed God wanted to answer. Does that make sense? That's exciting to me. And then the last one, I'm going to read you a whole chapter. It's a little confusing. I want you to have to interact with how different the language is in Revelation, Revelation of John, and I want you to be able to kind of grab why we formed our language of pots from this. So we'll start right here, Revelation 5, verse 1. Then I saw on the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll written on the side and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is, wor- who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that, so that you can open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders a lamb standing and as if it had been slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Get a picture of that. The golden bowls. And inside the bowls are the prayers of the saints. Isn't that just a great picture? They sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slaughtered, and by your blood you ransomed you ransomed for God's saints from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests serving our God, and they will reign on earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands, singing with a full voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. That's beautiful. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing to the one seated on the throne and the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. That preaches itself. I would only do that in injustice. I don't want to preach on it. There's a lot there. You have questions. But here's the two things I want you to recognize. that This is speaking about a community of people who pray and then is received by Jesus, I believed. And it is then worshipped as well. Jesus is worshipped as well. So it's worship and prayer. A lot of people build ministries off this passage. We built our pots off of it. Prayers of the season. Pots. (laughs) You see it there? When I figured that out, I was like, I am genius. <laughs> and then we did one called Sots, 
for like one season it lasts, the scriptures of the season. It's not as, not as good as pots, sots, because then someone told me that's actually when somebody drinks too much. They're called a sot. And then I made it spiritual. I was like, maybe they're drinking the spirit. I don't know. So anyway, so this is where we get this idea from that there are seasons of prayer that we don't get to decide when and what the answers are, but we pour into. And then at a time that is right, it's answered by Jesus, and we worship. Isn't that beautiful? That's just a good overall framework. So today, I'm going to give space to invite you into it more by hearing from a staff member each about the different ones. And so you're going to hear from Bill first, then Kara, then Jessica, then Mariah, then Becca, and then Josh, which is me. So Bill, if you want to come up and share a little bit about spiritual formation. Good morning, everyone. How are we? It's good to be here with you. Um, yeah, so as, as I think about the prayers of the season over the years, um, it's always been fascinating to me to see uh, uh, our body identify some of these things and raise them up and then us pray through them through a season and then see them answered over and over again. Not always in the way we expect them to, but always. Um, and that's been beautiful to see. But I am, I am asked this morning to talk about spiritual formation which has been a pillar of ours from the very beginning. Um, I'm going to read our pot first and then just talk briefly about what I've kind of seen and hope to see. I'll just read this to you guys. Lord, we pray that our willingness to participate fosters a renewed enjoyment of the process of spiritual formation and a desire to abide in Christ in all areas. We pray that we would develop deep spiritual roots in the heart of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all parts of our church family. We pray that we would see the tangible richness of knowing and being part of a deep and growing spiritual community. Right, for you old schoolers, spiritual formation was always called discipleship, and it is still that. Uh, We are still about the business of making disciples. Um, But as we talk and I think about spiritual formation, the verse that comes to mind for me is from Philippians 2, and I'll read that. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So as I think about formation, I think about the ongoing nature of that process, right? We are baptized into the church family, into faith, and then what? And then spiritual formation, and it is a process, right? And the fear and trembling, as I think about that, that phrase, fear and trembling, I think about the spaces that a lot of us are in, have been in, will be in, of deconstruction and reconstruction, right? We are given a certain understanding of who God is and what faith means and what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And we have these ideas, and at some point or another, we go deeper with the Lord, and we have to kind of start to reevaluate some of those expand on those, deepen those understandings, and to do that can be scary, right, as we move into that. But that's the process of spiritual formation. And as I look back on this past season of ETS, in my own group, I've seen a number of folks stepping into some of these things we've been talking about, silence and solitude and Sabbath. And that is the work of formation, right? As we open up ourselves, create that space to be with the Lord, He can speak to us, right? He can continue to work out that process in us. 
Um, and that's, that's been beautiful. And that's what spiritual formation is to me. And I think that's, that's kind of why it's been so important to us as we've walked along these seven plus years. And Kara is going to go next. Thank you, guys. Um, okay, so hearts that serve. Um, I guess I'll, I'll follow in Bill's footsteps and read the prayer. <laughs> uh, Lord, we pray that our RCC family would be awakened to their specific place of service in our body in a way that enables them to be committed to our local church physically and spiritually through discipleship that forms hearts to serve the body out of this revelation and ownership of their roles as part of the body of Christ. And when I was thinking about hearts that serve, I was reminded of um, John 13, where it's Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them that they will know us by the way that we love each other. And hearts that serve is an overflow. It is putting action to the words when Jesus said that the world will know us by the way that we love one another. And so what that looks like within the local church um, can vary, whether that's uh, partnering with Jessica in City Kids or creating a place of hospitality when people walk in for the first time and don't know where to go after they've walked up a set of stairs <laughs> or um, serving on worship team. It can look a lot of different ways, but really what is happening is that we are choosing to set a different model of loving one another than what our culture says, where it's not just about you and your own comfort level, and it's not just about um, doing things when you want, how you want, but it's choosing to set that aside to say, I'm going to love the other. And when I do that, what we're doing is we're telling the world that it actually is for our good and for the good of the church, and it's better in every way. It's better than what the world tells us. And so for hearts that serve, I mean, that prayer um, has been in some ways, a key part of our on our hearts since the beginning of River City. And that has looked different than needs and what we've meant when we've prayed that has looked different in each season. When we first started our church, it was like we needed bodies, period. <laughs> right? We Our heart was literally just like, God, bring people because we need to set up tables and chairs. Um, and so, God, would you provide? And he did. And over time, that prayer has taken on different, a different face and meant different things. And every time the Lord has been faithful to say um, and respond because our prayers move his heart. Our prayers matter and our prayers as a body move his heart. And we don't get to always decide, never, do we get to decide what that looks like or when that happens. But what, is, what we have seen time and time again is that he is faithful to respond to our prayers. And so for hearts that serve, if we would be a body in a community, when somebody who walks in, whether they've known Jesus or not, walks into this local church, and if they walk out saying they love each other really well by the way that they serve one another, then we are doing what Jesus has told his disciples to do. We are setting an example and a model in the city of Smyrna that says, it actually is better and it's for our good that we love the people around us even when it's uncomfortable. And so my personal ask or wording around that would be that if you aren't sure what jumping in looks like, if you aren't sure what serving our body in the local church looks like, um, I would just ask that you first pray for yourself 
in your own words. And then, I'm not picking that up at the moment. <laughs> and then I would pay attention. No, I would just pay attention to what are the things that the Lord has already gifted you with? What are the things that you're already inclined to enjoy that you would love to see and build community around and jump into that thing? If you find that being welcoming to strangers is something you've been told your whole life is a gift, step into to hospitality, into greeting. That's a great way to serve. If you find that connecting with kids is an easier thing for you, start with the thing that the Lord has already gifted you with naturally and see in the ways in which the Lord might want to use you in the local church to love others well. So that would be my heart and my prayer and something I even ask myself um, on staff. So I don't know who's next. Jessica. Oh, she's with the kids. Mariah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Uh, all right. <laughs> so I am culture of generosity, and we're going to read the pot first. So it says, Lord, help us understand that giving is an act of worship and serves as a practice that helps us foster a healthy relationship with money. We pray that we would be people who give generously of our finances to the local church in a way that brings glory to you and honors the desires you have for River City Church. We pray for provision and favor as we continue to navigate our relationship with our physical space and our landlord. So one of the questions that Josh asked us to think through was why this pot was important to us. Um, and then some of our hopes for it and what we're praying into. And so from personal experience, my favorite pot is probably this one because it's so much in tandem with Hearts That Serve, which is also really impactful to me. And so my personal experience with the nature and the spirit of generosity um, has been radically changed this year, uh, as we've talked about it more as a church. When I first came, I was like a lot of people where I didn't really tithe unless I felt kind of guilty for it. And then I had like church hurt, and so it felt really hard to invest in a body, right? Um, and then I came and I started to get a little bit more, and, and then just kind of became the thing that you do. You just give 10% because God wants you to, and I didn't have a heart behind it. And then I got on staff. And then I got to see actually what it's like behind the scenes when we have a culture of generosity. And I got to see the excitement that comes when you get to be able to provide for someone or when you can be supportive or lavish on people. And it felt so fun. And then I also got to see some of the restrictions of the things that we can't do because we don't have the funding to do it or the ways that we want to reach out into our community. And we don't really have access to do that because people don't give in the way that we need. And so. I got to see both ends of the story, and it started to change me. And so I started to give um, more regularly and feel more out of just like, okay, this is a need. We need to give. And then I had an incident happen where my car broke down, and I needed something. And Alex Rodriguez and Bill were like, tell me what you need. The need's part of our ministry. We'll pay for it, and you're good. And I was so overwhelmed with just the breeziness in which they were generous and how easy they just were like, we have you. And so all of a sudden it just like did something to my heart and I felt like I was in a family and I had like a dad to take care of me and I just felt that, like, that connectedness. And so when we're talking about the culture of generosity, 
a lot of times when we talk about generosity, we talk about the church of Acts and the how they sold everything and how they were like all for each other and everyone had what they need. And so that follows the skirt that follows the curtail of Pentecost, right? So the Holy Spirit comes and empowers these people. And what it says before it talks about how they gave is they devoted themselves to the gospel and to one another. And so a culture of generosity is you devoting yourself to the person in the left and the right of you. It's not just I'm giving to the church and I don't really know where it's going and I feel kind of sketchy about that. It's giving to a space that is giving back to one another. And so in the same way that you feel connection here and you feel community here, that's what generosity allows you to do, to love well, to take the intention of your heart and the way that you care for your brother and to actually provide resources so that we can love well alongside you. And so when we get to do things like Love Smyrna, when we get to do things like Campbell, those are radical things that change people's life. Radical generosity that leads people to understanding that they have a God that is a father, that takes care of them. And so culture of generosity, my prayer for this season is that you become so overwhelmed with compassion for your neighbor and you feel so excited and empowered of ways that you can not only serve your time, not only serve with signing up for a ministry, but serve financially to actually help people experience the tangible goodness of the kingdom. When we say in Smyrna as in heaven, heaven is full of generosity and our heavenly father has unlimited resource. And so when we press into generosity here, it allows us to have the generosity of God. And so my prayer is just that you are transformed by that, that you get to see that, that God shows you your neighbor and you feel this sense of brotherly or sisterly concern for them. And then it leads you to be faithful in how you tithe or how you give or how you serve. All right, Jess. Hey guys, so I'm walking in. I don't know quite how the flow has been so far, but um, next generation investment. Y'all, I might not get through this without tears. So um, the Lord has just been really heavy on my heart this morning, like just really present with me this morning in a, in a really great way, but I'm really feeling all the feels, so sorry. Um, I'm so, 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 so grateful for the people who have stepped in and who are being part of our youth ministry and who are loving on our youth and the people who have stepped in to be part of children's ministry on Sunday mornings, um, who are feeling like a family now of us. It's kind of, it's feeling like a team. It's feeling like um, we're all coming together and I am so grateful for those people who are stepping into that. Guys, it's such, our kids this morning when I'm asking them, who is God? He's a playground. Y'all, he wants to have fun with us. Amen. The privilege of serving them is so good. just light up with joy and I love them and so that's the invitation that we have guys 
is to come in and to step in and to see the world and to see the Lord through their eyes. When this world is too much for us, when it's overwhelming, when it's hard, when the day-to-day is too much, we get to see God through their eyes. How he's a playground. How he's powerful. How he's like Spider-Man and Elsa. You know, like, that's the way that they see him. And so, when I say, when we pray, Lord, let us have robust ministries that are built out and growing young people into spiritual depth, releasing them into ministry roles. Y'all, they're ministering to the people in those rooms every single Sunday. And so, we are inviting you guys into that. Join us. See how they're ministering. See how they're leading you. They're leading us already. Their hearts for prayer. God, when they get down on the ground and we get in our prayer caves and they are praying out loud, they're leading us in prayer. And it's the sweetest thing. And so when we pray that, that's what we're talking about. When, when our kids come home and they say, Mom, how can I serve you? Y'all had three different testimonies of kids wanting to serve their families the other week. That's thriving. That's spiritual depth. That's releasing them into ministry roles when they're guiding us to that. So that's how I'm seeing him move. That's how I'm seeing him answer our prayers already. The things that we're still praying for are the consistent adults, the consistent people. They need people who are consistent in their lives. They need to know your face when they walk in that room. They need to know, oh, this this is Miss Julia who loves me. You know, this is... This is my friend. They're always here for me. This is Miss Sarah. I get to see her every other week. I love her. Right? This is Miss Carrie. I'm comfortable with her. I know her face. It's those things that we're we're asking for still. For the youth. It's I want to know. I want to be I want to know that Miss Laura is my friend and that she can lead me. Those consistent people, it it makes such a difference in their lives. And so that's what we're still praying for and believing for and asking you guys to step into. Thank you. I really hate following up with that one. All right. Well, y'all know I feel comfortable on a microphone. I love to talk. And this pot right here, if you know me at all, you know I could go on a tangent. But I'm not going to because Josh said I had five minutes and I made notes. So one, we're going to read this together. Lord, we are grateful for the opportunities we've had to support local and global outreach opportunities and pray for wisdom to discern which opportunities you would have us say yes to in the future. We pray that our body would seek a connectedness to the needs in our city and seek partnerships to empower us to practically be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen. Um, So I know some of you are probably already checked out. Um, from this topic. I'm not a missionary. I'm not called to be a missionary. I would love to lovingly set you free from this lie. You are all missionaries. The Bible says so. Um, So Matthew 28, I'm sure you've all heard this, especially if you come from an evangelical background like myself, good old Southern Baptist, love to harp on this one with missions. Go and make disciples. This is Jesus prior, he says, all authority has been given to me. So this is actually Jesus kind of flexing his muscle. I like to think of this as, you know, when you're a teenager and your mom's like, make your bed. And you're like, I don't want to. And she's like, well, I'm the mom, make your bed. 
This is Jesus. I'm the mom. I'm the dad. Make your bed. This is Jesus saying, all authority has been given to me, so go. I'm asking you to partner with me. Go. This is, this is a call. This is not just like a, if you feel like it, this is like a, a deep, deep, deep well of invitation for you. So again, if you are someone who in the past maybe has checked out from this and said, it's not for me, I'm not called, uh, someone else will do it, Jesus is saying to you, therefore, go. It's such a privilege. It's so fun. Um, the entire book of Acts is about this principle. So if you need some examples of how to go, go to Acts. Um, second point, missions and ministry are a great avenue for intimate discipleship and relationship building. So I'm going to use the Serbia example. All my Serbia people, I grew so close to Jess and Laura on this trip because we had to stand in a shower that had water up to our knees. And there's something about that that's truly a bonding experience. <laughs> we didn't shower together. I just want to clarify that. <laughs> um, but not only did we get to have this experience of kind of a nasty shower, but we also got to get our hands dirty and hear a lot of the same really difficult stories. And it became a place for somebody else to know um, maybe what God was doing in my heart. It gave me an opportunity to see Jesus in the world and respond with someone next to me. Um, and now that's my girl. If I got somebody I need to call, that's my girl. I don't know where Laura went, but I know that they have my back because we've had these experiences together where we've all had to lay ourselves down and they're trustworthy people, which I learned in a different way than just coming to church on Sunday. I feel like I'm doing really good on time. I'm hitting all my points, y'all. All right, number three, it's a mark of a healthy follower of Jesus. Why should you look outward? Because the Bible talks about making our attitude like Jesus. Bill stole my Philippians 2 verse, but uh, it talks about making our attitude like him because even though he had everything to be used, no, uh, it's verse like five through 11, I think. Whatever. Anyway, even though he had all these things to be used to his own advantage, he literally laid it down and made himself one of us. Not forsaking his godhood, but instead choosing to see rightly. Jesus teaches us how to see each other rightly, um, which I feel like we're learning a lot of this in ETS, right? Learning how to be still, learning how to be present with the people in front of us. And this looking outward is the fruit of what you're learning internally. So if you're not, if we're not like actively taking steps to learn how to love our neighbor in Serbia, but also at Rev and at Cafe Lucia or whatever coffee shop you go to, uh, we're not, our faith is dead. James 2 talks about faith without works is dead. That doesn't mean going across the ocean. That means learning how to see rightly. That means learning how to see people like Jesus does and learning how to lay yourself down like he did. So um, if I have any prayer for us this season, it's that we would learn how to see rightly as a church, that we would learn how to look at our neighbor and see the mark of God in way, the mark of God in KT back there, the mark of God in Kara, the mark of God... <laughs> Oh, never mind. Anyway, so I'm actually just going to pray for us. So if you're somebody in the past who maybe has dismissed yourself from this, if you maybe you don't have to like raise your hand, but just maybe like open your hands in your lap. Um, and if you're somebody who wants to walk more in this, also feel free to just take this invitation. So Jesus, thank you so much for teaching us how to do this first. Thank you for being our example. Thank you for not making this a place of pressure that we have to do something, but I'm really thankful for the privilege that it is to grow with you and to see my neighbor as someone that you love deeply. So Jesus, teach us. Teach us how to do this better as a church. Move our hearts. 
uh, to the way of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you. They all did a really good job, I feel like. That's our staff, so clap again. Uh, So you heard me speak last week about racial reconciliation. I realized as I got about 25 minutes into it before we broke into groups, which we broke into groups, thank you, and there were 10 groups and everybody was here. It was great. But I didn't get to finish all that I wanted to say that week. I think I started feeling the pressure of making sure you got into a group. So I just want to say to you that on the first Sunday in January, I'm going to do the rest of what I felt like I was intended to share for that and give you a little bit today for what I believe I sense is my prayer for racial reconciliation in the next season. So I want to read you this passage really quick. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. Actually, pause. Go back to the thing I I should be doing first that everybody else did. So this is our pot. Lord, we thank you that you are the ultimate reconciler, and we believe that your desire for the body of Christ is one that honors your image and all of your people. Open our eyes, ears, and minds to the ways we have constructed an unequal society and stir in our spirits a desire to make meaningful change in this generation of believers. Give us the strength to challenge our practices, preferences, and assumptions that we might model true unity in the body and move the world around us towards reconciliation with one and in you. And so I want to read you Second Corinthians again just as a quick recap from last week. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. We are actually called to a ministry of reconciliation. This is not a one-off. This is actually a call for all of us. And so I believe that the body of Christ should actually be the, the people modeling this setting a tone in this, being on the forefront of it. And so as we look into the next season, a few of the prayers and hopes that I have, because of course we're not there, right? A few of the things I hear him asking me to step into are one, like we said last week, be a good listener, even when you know you're right. Listen as if you're wrong. Build friendships with people who do not look like you. I'm going to say that one more time. Build friendships with people who do not look like you. If all of your friends look like you, then there's a good chance that all of the thoughts are very similar. So if you don't step out of that, it's hard to see when you might be wrong. I might be wrong. I see that he's calling our body and our church spaces to be a place that actually creates more space in the service to embody what the kingdom looks like. What does the kingdom look like? You can pull up this passage. The next one. After this I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white and with palm branches in their hands. The kingdom of God is a diverse, eclectic group. Everyone looks different and everyone is there. Our services have to move towards that. And it's uncomfortable in a lot of ways, and it's challenging in a lot of ways, but if they don't, then we are not actually looking like the the kingdom of God, and that is what we're called to. So our our service spaces, I I pray and ask God to continue to develop that. Our leadership and our volunteer leadership needs to look like that passage. Does that make sense? 
we have to create space for that to become a prayer and an answered prayer for God to do. Can I get an amen from anyone? Amen, amen to that. And then lastly, for RCC to truly feel like a refuge for all. That in this space, I had my friend Dr. Johns come and preach. He talked about it should be like each church on the globe is like, what is that place in a country where if you're from a different country, you can go there? Embassy. That's the word I was looking for. It should feel like when I step in, I am safe here. Right? And so that's, as I pray about this, I see from where we're at, and I'm thankful for all God has done, but we're not there yet. So I have to lean in to ask him to guide into that, but then also respond as I'm hearing faithfully, no matter what that looks like, or if that is really awesome for someone or really troubling for someone. Follow the lead of the Lord into it. Does that make sense to everybody? That's what I would like to do. That's what I would like our body to do. So I'm going I'm to preach again in January on that. So everybody make sure you're here the first Sunday in January. You already were so pumped about being here that first one, right? Amen? <laughs> it's not a low attendance one. I'm just speaking the... Amen. Okay. So here's what we're going to do now. So we've shared all this with you to say, here's what we're praying into. Here's how we're seeing it. We know you're seeing it in a certain kind of way. We know you're having feelings in a way. And so I'm going to give you some... Pots testimony, kind of just just some tidbits for you to recognize that as you walk up, this was not an invitation to preach a sermon. This was not an opportunity to hand you a mic for an hour. We love you and we want you to, but it's got to be concise and quick so others can share too. If nobody comes, we're just going to pray for these pots. But if you would like to come and share one of the following as you focus on one of the pots, what have you seen already or what would you like to see? What are you grateful for? How have you been encouraged by one of them so far? And then lastly, all together said on the count of three, one, two, three, please be concise. Amen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold, Kara's going to hold this up and then you can come visit Kara. We'll just create a little bit of space to share any of those things. All right. Awesome. It's already happening. It's great. I'm, gonna, I'm not allowed to give the mic away. I've been instructed. So don't, don't be mad at the messenger. It's okay. Um, I'm just going to talk briefly about a culture of generosity because for my whole life, I'm somebody who does this. I hold on to everything very, very tightly. Um, and so that extends to money and personality. But Jesus talks about money a whole lot. God talks about money a whole lot. So there's two things I want to say. You can't serve God and money. And then there's a verse Luke 6:38 that I conveniently skipped over for years which is give and it will come back to you a good measure shaken down pressed together something like that there's a song that's really really good and the point is in my life the more that I let go of money the more I give literally the more I give back but it may not be financial it may be freedom it may be God's grace and I've seen that, just God giving, pouring out, and then God just giving more back, but then also in my heart, how that changes. And instead of holding so tightly, I can let go and be a person that's more open and free and kind. And then the last point, and I'll close it up, is we are a body and who we're giving to is each other. And God is going to take that and enrich our whole experience. It'll transform us internally and externally. So you literally cannot outgive God. 
You cannot do it. Thanks, Ryan. Ryan will be featured on season three of Chosen, by the way. <laughs> nice, Bonnie. Okay, uh, talking about next generation. So every week, um, my daughter-in-law will ask my granddaughter, do you want to go to church? And so she'll say yes, and so we, she comes with me. Well, last week, she, they asked her, and she said, yes, but I want you to take me. So my son and my daughter-in-law came to church. And then we broke off into little groups. And so my son and my husband and I went to Bill's group. And my son just was like so open and so a part of it. So the next generation, that's all I can say. trust you. I Not get, no, sorry. <laughs> I'm a rule follower. <laughs> I want to talk about generosity. I was so generous that I gave you Josh. <laughs> that, no, I have some more. Uh, missions is a, a big deal. I know that missions is between each other here but I have a heart for missions out of the country. And I pray and hope that part of the vision in the future, and I think it is because y'all went on a mission trip that really changed lives, uh, to have that in part of the culture even more and have groups that are, you know, over a year are taught, whatever we learn the culture, whatever, and we go and minister in the power and love of God because I've seen that many times and it changes lives, and it changes generations in another country especially. So that's my input. Thank you. Stoke sandwich. Are you first? All right, uh, we're probably going to say the same thing. I don't know. Uh, I'll speak to hearts that serve. So, A, when you come in on Sunday morning and you see different faces, and I'm like, I don't even know who that is, but good morning. Um, just the beauty in seeing a lot of new faces when you walk in the door uh, is pretty cool, right? That opportunity. Uh, but I would say, uh, hate this. Um, so, Abby and Logan moved. And they're like, we need y'all to come help us move. Obviously, the answer is yes. Ray and I on the way over like, oh, there's going to be like three of us, and we are going to not be mobile tomorrow. And I'm not sure I can pick up the couch, and I don't think I can get over the rail. I don't know what we're going to do. And we pulled in, and you showed up, and you showed up, and he showed up, and he showed up, and she showed up. And so I was like, oh, I get to clean the toilet. This is great. <laughs> But just the beauty of serving each other in the body, it wasn't even at church, y'all. It was somewhere else, mm -hmm. right? And to be able to be like, ah, 
I'm taken care of. I'm not even in the church, and I'm being taken care of. And we got home yesterday at four, praise God, and sat down in the chair, and we're like, ah, we can breathe. So I just say thank you for showing up. And for folks that may not have even been in the church for a small season, showed up and served. And just the beauty in that, like, so incredibly thankful. Yeah, I was saying something similar, but not quite that. So look at that. We're not saying the same thing. Um, so I wanted to talk about hearts that serve as it goes with looking outward. Um, Ken talked about like overseas missions, and I have a heart for missions in our own backyard. So I work as a volunteer manager at a food pantry. I coordinate people that serve. That is my whole life. Um, and I think after Love Smyrna, many of the testimonies were like, wow, I met somebody who works for somewhere, they do cool things, interesting. And I think a lot of people came out of that thinking, okay, how do we do this more often? I have an answer for that. I have an answer, and it's really easy. Um, there's a lot of people in this church that work at places that need volunteers, and need weekly, or monthly, or when a certain task comes up, volunteers. So if you work for somewhere that needs volunteers, would you raise your hand um, but like, and it's not, it might be, you know how to make a budget in Excel, or it might be, you can play cards really well and sit with somebody who's having to wait on something, or it might be, you speak Spanish and want to come translate for me at the food pantry because I don't speak well enough and then they think I can and it's a whole deal. Um, <laughs> but there are opportunities overseas, but there's also a million places here in our own backyard that only need a snippet of your time, but need it consistently. And that's what I have. Thank you. Thank you. Keegan Pinto. Let's go. So one of the testimonies that I want to go off of is the youth ministry, the one that Jessica and with and I just want to say thank you to Drew. Where's Laura? Is she not here? Oh, she's downstairs. <laughs> Uh, Maddie and Andrew? No? Okay. Well, I just want to say thank you to them for starting the youth group again because I have been like jumping in between youth groups and I like now that this is back, I feel like I'm like kind of back home again. Thank you. Hello. Okay, so um, I want to talk about Next Generation, and <laughs> so uh, last week was my son's birthday, he turned 16, and I reached out to Becca and just said, hey, it'd be really cool, I want to put together this video um, of adults who might speak into Jude's life, um, because we've moved around a ton, and we don't have a ton, like... Over the last couple of years, we haven't had a ton of adults other than my husband and I who like love on our kids. And Becca's like, I got this. <laughs> so like on his birthday that night, there were, I don't know how many, eight? eight there were, I ended up having 20, a 20 minute video to show my son and um, over half of it, I mean, we had like family and stuff, send things in, but over half of it was adults from River City, River City telling Jude how awesome he is and just speaking like love <laughs> and like prophesying over him and oh my gosh guys like I was I was bawling it was beautiful 
And you don't just have to like serve weekly or do one, I don't know. I just, the fact that you guys are like, you're so loving and encouraging to my kids and to all the kids. Like, I just want to encourage you. There's so many things that you can do that speak into their lives. And so I want to say thank you to all the people. Like, I'm looking at all, I don't know if I see all of you, but so many of you in this room sent us videos to love on um, one of the River City youth. And I want to say thank you. And I'm so glad to be here. Like, I love you guys. Yeah, uh, uh, I was going to say some stuff about looking outward and how, you know, you don't have to just go overseas, although I have done that, but uh, you can do it. Like recently on Friday, I sat with a guy that I hadn't sat with at lunch before, and we talked for a long time, and then I ended up praying with him at the end, and I prayed... I don't remember what exactly, but it was a lot about like how he was brave and diligent because he's half blind. Oh, and uh, he just said that he cried and he said it was one of the most meaningful things anyone ever said to him in his life, which I was not expecting. <laughs> but just little things like that can be very important. It can be one of the most meaningful things you hear in your life. Thank you. Let's go, Shane. No, it's okay. I might cry too. I'm just like my <laughs> wife. Um, I was going to talk about generational investment. Uh, I don't like masks, but uh, but I do like kids. Fortunately, because I have nine in my house. Um, and I know my wife has had a lot of need for volunteers. Anyway, uh, so I, I've helped out a couple times, and there was a couple weeks ago where it was me and 13 people under the age of four, and I felt very inadequate, but we got through it. I felt like Santa Claus several times just sitting there. They kept bringing me books, and I would read the books, and, and they would go from destroying the room to read another book, and there was all of them. Um, but they're amazing and they're beautiful. Like, it was very life-giving for me. Uh, and there were a couple different folks that would pop by, because I had to stick my head out the door and say, uh, can someone bring me this or that, because I can't leave the room. I can't take the boys to the bathroom right now, because then the girls are unattended. So we had some hiccups, so if we'd had another volunteer in there with me, I wouldn't have had to do that. But the fact that there were a couple people that saw me in there and said, man, there is nobody more equipped to do that than you. I felt blessed by that, even if it wasn't true, because my nine are not all the same age. God has graced me with a few years to... But I just want to encourage you that um, they're worth it, right? Like uh, They touched on it this morning, but when we talk about reaching this community, just like Bonnie said it, they're going to do more than you or I ever will. Their buckets have to be filled up. And what are, you, what are they gonna be filled up with? If we want them to know what we know, pour it into them so that they can pour it out there, right? So I wanted to share that. Thank you.
not a person that comes up and does this kind of thing, but um, so I wanted to talk about racial reconciliation because um, it's something that is so uncomfortable for me, and that's why I'm struggling being up here. Um, but there is a quote that I learned this year from an amazing group of people. Um, but in the end, um, you're not going to remember the words of your enemies, but the silence of your friends. And I'm so grateful that River City is talking about the subject. I know that I'm a white girl who has had it pretty easy in life. Um, but there are times when I've been had my eyes open to the sincere, really painful experiences of my friends of color. And I didn't think I realized how much um, pain that my friends have gone through. And there's a lot of silence about it because they are strong people. Um, and they have learned to have that strength because of these painful experiences. Um, so I know that I have had my eyes open, and so I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful that we're talking about it. I'm very grateful that we're going to continue to talk about it. Yeah. Thank you. It's good. He's got a countdown happening. Yeah. Okay, I'm Taylor Whitesell, if you see me on the prayer wall. So, <laughs> past 14 months, we were living in Gulfport, Mississippi. And, oh my gosh, I'm already crying. So, it was very much a season of isolation for us. Um, and I kept asking God through a lot of silence and solitude, because there was a lot of that. I'm like, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? Because I'm very much a, like Becca said, like, I'm a four on the Enneagram, so I'm like, I have to be a missionary. Like, that's what I, if I'm not a missionary, I'm not 100% for God. And he just really, through silence and solitude, showed me very clearly it was like three people that we were in Gulfport for. It was not an army of people. It was a very small number of people and I have a heart for elderly people and usually I can't even approach them if I see them by themselves because it makes me cry. And there were two old guys in the neighborhood we were living in. Most of the people were like young families, but there were these two older guys. And we started talking to them and Ryan was baking bread, so he would like bring them bread and... Towards the end, the one husband and his wife were like, you know, we've never even met anyone in this neighborhood. We've lived here for a year and a half. Our son passed away. And this was when we were moving away. But it was just like these people need us to look outward because if we're looking at ourselves, we're like, God, why am I here? Like, it was all about me. It was like, why am I here? Like, I want freedom. I want mission. I want command. And so now we live... Marietta, and it's just been, I've just been completely transformed in looking outward to seeing my neighbors, like our one neighbor has already told us that she's not a Christian anymore because she also lost her son, and she's been struggling with that the past year, so I would just challenge you that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can be transformed to look past yourself and start seeing the people, the orphans and the widows, and your actual neighbor, your physical neighbor, who like just needs you to say hey and to 
interrupt your walk to just talk to them and discover that they're mourning and they're struggling. So, love y'all. Thanks for watching me cry. No one else? All right. Thank you, Karen. Can I sit down? She <laughs> said, can I sit down? All right. If you'll all stand with me. As Becca prepares the doxology, the doxology is already prepared. It's in our hearts. You know what I'm saying? As we get prepared to, I'm going to stop. God, we present back to you all of our prayers and desires and trust you with them, that we would all be formed deeply and be so rooted in you, God, that we are alive fully, that our hearts would flow out of that and see every person we walk by, step into our church, this church, take ownership of it, that we would look outward, God, not just ourselves love what you just said by the way sometimes the best medicine for feeling awful is looking to just the person next to you that we would be a people that step deeper into racial reconciliation and take our ownership in it God and listen and learn and talk to each other we would have a culture of generosity God for sure that we would pour into the next generation. We ask you to guide these endeavors, these prayer endeavors, these prayer possibilities, these pathways towards whatever it is you're starting to do, and that we would see that as we start walking on these through our prayers together, it's not our job to build what's at the end. Just a step, a step, a step, a step, and oh, look what God did. As soon as anything is answered in any way, draw our eyes back to you. Humility. We thank you for every person in this room and every person connected to every person in this room. We thank you for every person in this room right now that is struggling with mourning and grief and pain. And we ask you in Jesus' name to lift their spirits, to bring healing to bring hope, to bring restoration. Thank you, God, that you're with us and you love us. never tell when the prayer's over. Just being honest. All right, here we go. So praise God from whom blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures. Yeah.
So praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly Son and Holy Ghost, big finale, come on. So praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him. Son and Holy Ghost, we say Amen. Let it be so here in Amen. Yeah, we say Thank you. Go before us. Be with us. In your name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Love you all. Everyone sign up for Advent Choir because that was so beautiful. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.